Now, the greatest story never told with Miles and Thrill. Dragons wild. Wow, what a crowd. They're excited for Finally that, man. Finally getting some, uh, some live audience members back for the Greatest Story Never Told podcast. Wow. Everybody's out there separated. Episode number 69. Ooh, oh, man, we yeah. had a special guest that was supposed to stop by, but she had another appointment. That's she's running shame. late, so we're not sure if we're going to be able to do what we had planned, but uh, either way, <laughs> we, uh, we do have an entertaining podcast for you today. Uh, we do have an unofficial sponsor of the Greatest Story Never Told podcast, yeah. Dearest Pacholas. I don't understand how you haven't got any uh, sponsors the last couple weeks. That's because we're not uh, sure anyone's listening. Uh, I find that unacceptable. So I sent in my da- uh, donation of $20.69. The only thing I have to pimp out is I have a YouTube channel, Zip Tide, all one word. It's a bunch of guys doing funny car stuff, including a Pimp My Ride spoof. I'm just looking to get uh, 1,000 subscribers so maybe I can live stream our races on YouTube. I'll check it out. Why the hell not? Uh, please uh, Is it kid-friendly? My kid, look, I never watch YouTube. My kids only watch YouTube. Uh, kid-friendly, man. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. turn him on to it. He and his goofy buddies. Yeah. Uh, he does have a, a little bit of a story here. One day I got to work and was immediately hit with one of my coworkers uh, announcing his wife was pregnant, despite not having seen her in months. She was only five weeks pregnant, but nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, my coworker thought it was his. It was not. I made many jokes at his expense, including the crown jewel of my life. I called him a maybe daddy. Oh, no. Lady, I agreed to help a different coworker, Joel, move. Well, my boss told me to make a mental list of how he lived because his work area is a complete disaster. I get there, we start moving boxes into the U-Haul, eventually clear the house. wasn't until we went to the barn, things got weird. Move almost everything from the front of the barn. When his eyes light up, he goes, hey, Elliot, do you know what that is? It was near some automotive machinery, so I assumed to be something similar. But he said, uh, no, it's a dildo machine, to which I reply, why do you have it? He tells me some BS story about his buddy made it for his wife, but she hated it so much she left him. He also claimed he was keeping it for the parts. I made a mental note to tell my boss. Just as we're finishing up for the night, I hear a loud crashing sound. I look out to see my car flying backward and a Mercedes rolling. My car is totaled, and I'm mentally scarred from the dildo machine. <laughs> Next day, I get into my work, and my boss is yelling at me for not pretending to have my neck hurt. I should have been rolling on the ground in pain, he says, until he suddenly goes, okay, uh, what about uh, Joel? I tell him the whole story, and once I say the word dildo machine, his mouth drops. A what? <laughs> a dildo machine. He and his brother explode telling jokes like, well, that's why he walks funny. I'll never let him walk behind me again, blah, blah, blah. Next day, uh, Joel walks into the shop all hunched over from the accident. Apparently, he slipped multiple discs in his back. We made fun of him, and he hasn't heard the end of it. He also seriously was offered $700 for that machine. He declined. What? Yeah, so uh, thank you, man, for the donation. That's very cool. And check out the Zip Tide on YouTube uh, channel there. I thought it would be about kidnapping. I'm a little disappointed. You know, zip tied, man. That is the best way to kidnap. So uh, today uh, on the Greatest Story Never Told podcast, since we made it to 69 episodes, 69. we're going to tell you real quickly here as fast as we can uh, about uh, radio, just in general, our careers in radio, the different companies we work for. Um, you know, radio is a little bit different as far as uh, everyone is curious about what people do for a living, uh, as far as what your job entails and, and all that stuff. But uh, no one ever walks up to uh, your doctor and says, hey, man. How did you get into it? Right. You know, like it's just something that you, you don't kind get of right, man. Like that is like, a question we always yeah, answer. It's, oh, it's, I'm in radio. How'd you get into it? I never right, even exactly. thought about You're that. You're a lawyer. Yes. How did you get into it? Well, I went to school, got a four year <laughs> degree, then I went to law school for a few years, passed the bar, and here I am. You know, like you already know the path, but radio is not exactly that type of uh, that type of job. So it's an understandable question, all things considered, and it's a different job than most people have. So it's a different job. It's I think it's more about the staying power mm-hmm. in radio, right? Because if you said I was a lawyer. Say, man, why'd you get out of it? 
But never how'd you get yeah. into it? We get it. But in radio, it's like, how are you still in it after all this? If you're on air, right? Sure. Not management or any of that stuff, because it's a strange business. It's very strange. Put it mildly. And you know, you you tell people like, look, it's it's a great, uh, it's it's great. It's volatile. You move around a lot. You know what I mean? I, I always tell people I'm three thousand miles away from my home, my family, my. Brothers, sisters, nieces, haven't seen my mom in a couple of years. And it's know. awesome. Right, exactly. So, like, yeah, <laughs> no it's, it's family not, it's not, drama. It's not the worst thing in the world, but, you know, at times you, you kind of like to be closer to them when, uh, you know, birthdays and holidays and all that stuff. But anyway, so what we're going to do today is because people say, well, how did you get into radio? All right. So, we're going to give you, a, each one of us will give you a quick rundown of how this all started. All right. When I was 16 years old, I started working for the radio station in my hometown, WAJR. Doing what? I ran Pittsburgh Pirate Games. I ran Pittsburgh Steeler Games on Sunday morning. And I did occasional overnights where I would take care of the AM radio station and also prepare the FM radio station for the next day's broadcast. Did you get to speak or was this all? I was all aboard. I did do top of the hour IDs. You're listening to 1440 WAJR, you your that? official home of Pittsburgh Pirate Baseball. Sure. Right. Yeah. What do you mean, sure? Yeah, we got to because we a, never got to. They were like, "Man, you don't open this goddamn money. You put it in a cart, as yeah. it were. But basically, you put it in. This, you plug it in. We got a voice right. guy. We pay him money. You don't open." So in the summers, I would work at the concert pavilion that the radio station had uh, as a full time employee in the summer months. Uh, and I, that was after I retired from my Boy Scout career of, of working at the Boy Scout camp that paid two hundred dollars a week. Or something like that. It was that much? Yeah. Now I'm making big bucks. You know what I mean? Jesus. Now I'm making four twenty five an hour or something. Like that. Maybe it was three eighty five an hour. Anyway, so I worked at an FM radio station there and I worked for West Virginia Radio. Uh, at uh, what, 102 WVAQ, which was uh, an FM station owned by West Virginia Radio Corporation. It was at that point in time where I had about ten hours on air a week, which was not bad. Damn. But uh, the owner across the street, Gary Bowers of Bowers Broadcasting. And the program director, who I also knew, said, hey, why don't you come and work for us at WCLG? We'll pay you. You're making three eighty-five an hour. We'll pay you four twenty-five. I said, sold. This, <laughs> right. this is crazy. It's that easy. It's man. a rock station. I'm going. So I went and worked for WCLG, and I did overnights there while I was in college. So I would literally work the overnight, get up, take a couple classes, fall asleep at noon, wake up at about 9 or 10, get my ass back into work. And it was a six-day overnight. So it was brutal. You know, I did that for a yeah. year and a half. Then I got this job offer uh, in Hagerstown, Maryland at WQCM. Hagerstown is the Yakima of Maryland. But you got to remember, I grew up in Morgantown. It was time for me to get out of there. I just needed to leave. But somehow you went backwards. So I, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she got a job in Frederick, Maryland, working for a restaurant chain. So we moved to Frederick, and I would commute back and forth to Hagerstown. Well, believe it or not, somewhere within this eight months that I worked at WQCM, my then-girlfriend got a transfer to Hagerstown. So within moving to Frederick, we moved again in three months. We then moved to Hagerstown for five months. And then from working for Albright Broadcasting uh, in Hagerstown, I got a job working for Einstein Wind Broadcasting in Annapolis, Maryland, doing on-air and being their production director. So I was a creative imaging director for Sajak Broadcasting, Einstein Broadcasting, and Wind Broadcasting. You love Dick Wynn. Just real quick on a side note, uh, the station I went to work with, WRNR in Annapolis, is a free-form progressive radio station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're talking about Boy Slim, NRBQ. It was a very legendary uh, radio station, legendary by the, fa- uh, by the fact that the old owner used to own a WHFS in Washington, D.C. Another which, legendary station. Which at one point in time was a legendary station, then it became a commercial alternative radio station. But they were the first to play Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. You get the idea. So... 
But the guy that he paired up with, Dick Wynn, Dick Wynn was this Jewish man from New York, and so was, so was Jake. Everybody, most of the owners were, were, were Jewish. Uh, but Dick was special. Dick loved 80s metal. Dick, right. <laughs> Dick was 77 years old, okay? God bless him. He, he, would, come into the, uh, he would come into the production room and go, damn, I wish we were still playing Crocus. <laughs> because he, he owned a radio station called The Underground. Oh, he okay. So I Dick owned that. the underground. That's the station. I'm not making this up. Quick side note: the underground. You could barely pick this thing up, but it's where I heard "Welcome to the Jungle" for the first mm-hmm. time because commercial radio was Didn't not play. touching Guns and Roses. Think of 24 hours a day metal shot, but with a morning show, a midday diva, right. you know, that hot, you know, vampire looking chick that shows up. Right, shows. right. You know, you got your night dude who's just so edgy. <laughs> And then your afternoon guys, who's like the stalwart, the guy who has interviewed, you know, Slash before. So they had that kind of radio station. But anyway, they flipped the format, so I get brought in to do production and imaging for these three stations. I'm working for Empire Broadcasting. I worked there for three or four years. Then I get a call from Bill Pasha. He said, I want you to come work for 104.3 The Colt. That was owned by American Radio Systems. American Radio Systems, and there for a year and a half. And what happens is CBS buys ARS. So when CBS buys this company, they have too many radio stations in the markets that they're allowed to own. So they have to spin off one of the radio stations to a different company. I am there for a year and a half. Station gets bought again. Now I'm under a different ownership. It's no longer American Radio Systems. Now they kick us all out, and we're working for Clear Channel Communications at 104.3 The Colt. Which is now iHeart. Right, exactly. Which is now <laughs> Just iHeart. to give you an right. idea, right? Okay, so... I worked there for a while. That did not work out. I told you the story about the smooth jazz thing. Lose my job. Then I end up with another phone call from Bill Pasha, where I go back to American Radio Systems, which is not American Radio Systems anymore. It is CBS Radio. Mm-hmm. From that point in time, Steve and I, we do our thing up until the point where Howard Stern is off the air. They're going to kill the hot talk format. We need to find a job. From there, we get a phone call from Dave Richards here in Seattle. Dave Richards, he works for Intercom Communication. All right. <laughs> So we get that call. We move out here. That has been the longest chapter that I've Easily. got. 16 years at one radio station working for one company, sort of. We'll get there in a minute. Now, Steve, <laughs> you started at WJFK AM, correct? If you're going to say it, say it with the respect it deserves, AM 1300 WJFK. <laughs> okay, yes. That is the uh, – cor- yeah. trust me, they beat that in your head. Uh, yeah, I was, I was heavy on drugs, heavy on booze. And ended up being homeless. And when I was basically sleeping on the street, that's when you think to yourself, all right, it doesn't get much worse than what is it that you want to do with your life? Because if you're unhappy, you make these decisions. I had been cooking. That's why life, that's not why, but that was my excuse, right, to punish myself. So got a job in a restaurant, but I found out that, because uh, I asked people that were in radio, how did you get in the radio? And I said, man, nine times out of 10, your best bet is an internship. Legally, to do an internship, it has to be for school. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't afford to go back to school. As it turned out, and the school does not exist anymore, Baltimore had one of nine accredited. Being accredited is huge. If college is not accredited, don't waste your money. One of nine accredited broadcasting schools in the country. And this place, honestly, guys, like three miles away from my house. So I'm like, you know what? I'm in. I take out a loan. It was $8,700, which at the time to me would be the equivalent of saying it's $25 million. And uh, I was 30 years old at the time. And I remember I went in there, man, just a lot of pressure on myself. You know what I mean? It turns out I did extremely well. But three weeks into the school, one of my teachers pulled me aside and said, hey, man, there's an internship at 
1300 WJFK. Awesome. Cool. I'll take it. Turns out that's located only about four miles away from my house. Right? It's all very convenient. I get there. It is not an internship. It is an entry-level job. This is even better, right? Because now I'm going to get paid. I get to learn radio. I'm very excited. Uh, AM 1300 WJFK. It was the sports station in Baltimore. And it carried the Baltimore Ravens. It was the flagship, etc. So I'm running the board there. We had Howard Stern in the morning. Uh... Don and Mike. Thank you. Gee, I'm like, Dave and Bill. Uh, yeah, Don and Mike. And, and like, those guys are my heroes, but still. Uh, Don and Mike in the afternoon. And then we did some local horrible sports programming at night. So I'm working there. My first words ever on radio, and this is why I was giving you grief, Miles, was uh, the cart I'm supposed to put in for the station ID. It's been misplaced. I can't find it. And I'm freaking out, man. I mean, like, you're new into radio, so you don't want to mess up anything. So I had to open the mic and. You're listening to AM 13, or uh, Jesus, yeah, AM 1300 WJFK, blah, 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 Baltimore, blah, 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 blah. First words on there, right? Well, directly across the hall was WLIF, and that was the equivalent of, like, your warm step. We play Christmas music, so you understand what the rest of the music is mm-hmm. the rest of the year. Well, I hated the station because I don't like the music. The people that work there are fine. The woman who did the overnights, I want to say she had breast cancer, so she would go into remission. And I used to work until midnight, and I get a call at 1130. I'm at the AM station, and it's this guy named Steve Barrett. Steve goes, uh, hey, uh, Debbie can't make it in tonight. Uh, do you want to uh, go on the air? It's an overnight, right, on WLAF. And again, I'm just in radio. I'm like, hell yes, man. Worst performance ever. It, w- it was god-awful, as most people's first shows are. It was really, really bad. And I remember when I, when I finished that, I said, man, I'm probably never going to be on the air again. Well, they called me the next night, and basically I got to work that gig two out of four weeks of the month, and because of her health problems, I was willing to do it. What I found out was that Bill Pesha guy mm-hmm. that seems to show up in our stories, he kind of liked me for some reason. He never let me know this, but he liked me and kept giving me more chances. Those were both CBS stations. Uh, my first actual show, though, this goes back to the XFL, so I always have a sauce. So remember the first XFL in 2001? was a goddamn nightmare. But because we had the sports station, I said, Bill, would it be cool if I did a sports show, but I'll cover the XFL? He's like, sure, go ahead. And at this point, I knew I made it because my show was on Friday night from midnight to 3 a.m. And then again, Saturday, starting at 1, technically Sunday, 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. Nice. I had never been so happy in my life. I'm like, I've done it. Again, the worst hours. But I was happy to do it. Well, he let me do that for a while. Then he moved me from that slot to Monday through Friday, uh, 10, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. And I replaced this guy named Stan the Fan, who was a bit of a douche, but I liked him personally. Like, we got along, but I understood why he rubbed some people the wrong way. Replaced him. Then they moved me from doing that to Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. with two other guys, Paul Mittermeyer and Steve Stuffberg. And this guy named Ted Smith rolls in for an internship. I never met this guy. He walks in, and I remember the day this guy, Ted, walks in. I'm like, hey, man, I don't have a lot of time to talk to you. Just do me a favor. We've got two strippers coming in, and we got Chi-Chi Rodriguez is going to call. <laughs> now, Ted likes women. Ted likes sports. He's like, this is the greatest thing ever. So did that for a while. Uh, then out of those two stations, we moved buildings and joined the other stations that belong to CBS Radio. It, this, is, this is the point in time when, when we merged together that I was working for 104.3 The Cult, and as Steve is coming in, they kick right. our radio station out. Right. So I never met Steve at this point. No, we, we didn't know each we other just, from we just, we just passed. Like, that radio station came in to replace the one that was 
were in our studios. Yeah, so basically so I yeah. sat in Miles' old seat right, exactly. without knowing. Exactly. Right? So I hated doing that sports show, told my boss. So we also Back went, in the corner closet by the bathroom. God damn, by, by that bathroom. horrible bathroom. And that sure. air conditioner that never moves. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> Probably still there. And apparently turds <laughs> that were incapable of being flush. Yeah. Uh, but I did that for a while, and uh, we played Jim Rome from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on that station. And the ratings came in, and I remember I looked at Rome's ratings, and I marched down to our boss, who is still involved in our lives in the most ridiculous way. But I said, look, man, his ratings suck. Give me a shot. If I get lower ratings than him, then kick me out of radio. It's my honest belief. Like, if you can't do better than this garbage, I should not be on there. Now, I talked a big game, but I was sweating balls about this, man. I'm like, because I, I basically, I have now signed this check, right? But they put me on, and the show kind of blew up on an AM dial. It was unbelievable, but the ratings came in. I'm like, all right, solid. And at this time, I'm working still with Vita Smith. Every day that Ted's been in radio, he has worked with me. Just under, so it's been, what, 20 years, I think it is. And I was working with this guy named Bill Rowland. Now, what I did not know at the time is that Bill Pasher put me with Bill Rowland because Bill Rowland was a stopgap until Miles' compete, non-compete it, well, ran out. They didn't really try they to sue me. They didn't let it right. So, Thank God. I did not know this. <laughs> so then this day comes Jesus. and Bill Pasher pulls me into his office uh, and says, hey. Oh, by the way, so that show went from the AM station. Now they put us on a 50,000-watt flamethrower. And I am like, all right, man, you know, because talk – Talk radio is just not big, unless you do politics or sports, right? But if you do anything remotely interesting or outside of that, it's unlikely that you get a gig. So they moved me to the FM dial. I'm there for a few months with this guy, Bill. Then I get word that they're going to fire Bill, and I'm pissed. Not that I loved Bill, but it's just more like, man, what are you doing? And that's when Bill Patrick says, look, there's this guy I want you to meet. I think you're going to like him. His name is Miles. So I'm like, man, I think it. he used to be Steve Austin on the Colt. I said, all right, I know who that is as far as knowing who – a name is on the radio. I'm like, all right. So my producer at the time, he said, look, man, I'm telling you, we're going to like each other. I'm like, I don't like anybody. You know this about me, right? I am grumpy. I mean all this stuff. So I'm ready to meet Miles. We meet at a bar. And I always remember this. Miles walks in. First of all, I had Miles confused for another guy. Uh, you had done a morning show with, mm. with this other dude. I'll leave his name out of it. But I knew I would not like that guy. But in my mind, it was that guy. So I'm like, this is going to suck. Well, it wasn't that guy. It was Miles. So I said, look, man, just from the jump, uh, I drink a lot, and I smoke a lot of weed. If that's a problem, we have a problem. Miles' response, very Miles like, you got any weed? I said, well, <laughs> not on me. I got some at home. He said, well, where do you live? So down the road, let's go. We smoked, and the rest is history, man. I swear to God. You got that, weed? Okay, good. That is how that shook out. Right. So, again, uh, it, you worked for uh, Just CBS. CBS. But didn't it change its name? At yeah. some, oh, no, no. It had a different name, then became CBS. Right. Then Intercom, and then we find out today. So I will. I go West Virginia Radio. I go Albright Broadcasting. No, uh, Bowers Broadcasting. Albright Bo- Broadcasting. Einstein Broadcasting. ARS Radio. There was a J Corston in there somewhere, and I can't remember what that was. CBS Radio to Clear Channel Radio. Back to back CBS, to CBS. Radio. Uh-huh. Then to Intercom Radio. And today, when I wake up, we look in our inbox and in our uh, email. What do we got? We're now Odyssey. So now when you listen to the Greatest Story Never Told podcast and you uh, download it on your phone, you'll see that the Radio.com app is no more, and we are now Odyssey. A-U-D-A-C-Y. If you're literate, you'll probably spell it wrong the first few times. But either way, so now we're working for the same company, mm-hmm. just with a different name. It's kind of like what Clear Channel did with iHeart back in the day. So it's not like we're nothing has changed. 
Just the company's name has changed as the company uh, continues to grow. They're uh, are more just so than being a radio company anymore. Uh, our company is getting into podcasting. Sports betting. Sports betting and all kinds of different stuff because there are sports uh, gambling radio stations in certain markets, believe it or not, where they're just trying to help people because sports gaming is really huge. Obviously, the podcasts of the world are taking off. More people listen to us now in download form than they probably do you know, in terrestrial form as far as listening in their car. Which is crazy. So uh, just uh, just kind of a shift in the direction of, uh, of the company and the imaging of, of the company. But either that, podcast remains the same. Same place where you find it always. I'm sure they've switched that up. If not, download the uh, Odyssey app and check out the greatest story never told podcast. Or don't. It's up to you. We don't and if care. you didn't, I don't know how in the hell you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't do that, you're that you not listening. It. All right, bitches, there you go. Happy Chinooka. You've been listening to The Greatest Story Never Told with Miles and Thrill on Radio.com. Oh, man. A Double Flush production.